Welcome, all you fanatical elves. This is the Oracle Speaks. I am the Village Elliot. I am going to talk to you about the past, the recent past, the present, and the future. The future being like next week when the Browns are in the playoffs against who? Deshaun Watson's former team, the Houston Texans. How about that? Yeah, it looks like um, all these first-round draft picks that the Browns have been so freely giving up to Houston are going to come back and play against us. That should be interesting. Well, so what did we learn? What did we learn in our playoff game? Well, not playoff game. Uh, our pre-playoff tune-up, I should say, against the Cincinnati Bengals. There were things that needed to get done before the playoff game, we needed to see certain players. We wanted to see Pierre Strong, for example, the running back who never really got a chance during the regular season because he was buried on the depth chart, number one. And then number two, he managed to get injured just at the time when we had the opportunity to perhaps use him in certain situations. So we did see Pierre, and he looked like he was kind of so-so. But on the other hand, with a non-functional offense, it was hard to really make a judgment about how good he was. He did wind up with decent statistics, not really mind-blowing statistics. But I think he is a serviceable running back. He's fast and uh, elusive. And I think he could be um, what we might call a change of pace running back where you might put him in at third down and long and try to use him as a back coming out of the backfield or maybe try to hope for a five or six yard gain rather than uh, two or three yards as might be the case with some of the other Browns running backs. In particular, Kareem Hunt is very, very good at getting short yardage and uh, if you just really need one or two yards in a tough situation, that's the guy you go to but you might want to take a chance with Pierre Strong and long yardage. And then Jerome Ford is somewhere in between. He's pretty reliable, and he usually comes up with uh, yardage at the end of the day. It comes in uh, spurts. Occasionally he gets the long run. Uh, he doesn't always get the tough yardage that Kareem Hunt does, but he's the workhorse. So there you have it. We've got three running backs which uh, makes me happy. I was very concerned about that at the beginning of the season. But all right, so that kind of thing uh, we learned about. Uh, we also uh, got to look at some wide receivers that we don't always get to see during the season. Cedric Tillman was progressing very well during the second half of the season. We got to see him in the wide receiver one position uh, last Sunday, and unfortunately he wound up in concussion protocol. We hope he's going to be all right for the playoffs. We just don't know at this point. But he acquitted himself rather well, I thought. Uh, we also got to see uh, uh, Siaki uh, Ika. He played uh, more than half of the snaps on defense, and uh, he wasn't fantastic, but we did need to see him get some snaps just in case he's needed. I don't know that I think he's ready to be a mainline defender in the NFL, but I think he's much better for having had these valuable snaps against the Cincinnati Bengals, who are a thoroughly professional team. Uh, then... Um, 
Let's see, who are some of the other guys that we got to see? We got to see uh, Kalef Hailasi play cornerback. That one I wasn't really expecting. Uh, it kind of came from out of nowhere, but he did a very good job. I looked at the grades from uh, Pro Football Focus, which are not always to be taken as gospel, but nevertheless, they seem to think that he had performed rather well against the Cincinnati Bengals, who have pretty good wide receivers, uh, both at the top uh, with uh, Jamar Chase, and also they have reasonable depth even when they're uh, substituting. Uh, they have a pretty good wide receiver four and five. So I think that seeing uh, Kalef Hailasi, who was picked up as a free agent at the end of uh, summer training camp, that was pretty positive. Looks like we have another defensive back that we can use out there. So I was impressed by that. Um, also, we were able to escape without a great deal of uh, injury concerns after that game. That was the main thing we wanted to get through. It looked like uh, Shelby Harris might have come up with a uh, leg injury of some sort. We haven't heard the details or how uh, injured he might be, but the I guess the uh, buzz was that he was optimistic that he would return for the playoffs, or he seemed determined that he would not be deterred by that injury. So I think that we'll find out more later in the week. But in any case, there's no uh, reason to think that he can't play. So we'll just make sure or follow his progress during the week, but it looks like the Browns will be fully staffed from what we know. They didn't do that much damage. Now, what else did we learn? Well, um, last week I told you that I thought that Miles Garrett was a uh, six-point player in terms of how he affects the point spread and the over-under and I saw nothing that would convince myself otherwise. I think that he's an enormous influence on the Browns' ability to stop the opposition. And without Miles Garrett, there is no uh, perpetual every play double team at that uh, right defensive end position. Well, of course, Miles Garrett moves around a little bit, doesn't always play right defensive end, but you know what I mean. Wherever he goes, there are two offensive uh, linemen that follow him. He cannot be stopped with just one person, one body, or maybe sometimes it's a tight end and an offensive lineman or a running back and an offensive lineman. But there have to be two uh, hats on him at all time. And um, I just think that he's an enormous influence on the uh, spread. Uh, conventional wisdom is that defensive players are not worth that much that uh, maybe three points on the outside, but I, I think no, I think they're worth a lot more, but I also think conversely that if you put in a substitute and there's a weakness on your defense, the offense will find that and they will find a way, <coughs> excuse me, to score points off of that. So I think that that can be a, uh, um, a, uh, way to add points to the over-under and to increase the point spread in favor of the opponent. So I do believe that the, the uh, 
point spread is more volatile or more highly influenced by injuries to the defense than I think the conventional wisdom would hold. That's the two cents contribution that you'll get from me. Um, I'd like to pause for a few minutes uh, in order that we take a commercial break. We are lucky enough to have sponsors for our programs at the Fanatical Elves Network. We're thankful for them. Also thankful for you, the fans, for listening to our shows and being a part of uh, uh, what we do and making us part of your day. And I'll let Johnny Cleveland supply the commercials on many of our platforms, but not all. So sometimes you might be thinking, what is Elliot talking about? Is he making this up? But no, on, on uh, many of our platforms, uh, they buy commercial time. And so I'll shut up and let John do his thing. And I'll pause. And we are back and talking about what we learned and what we may learn for the near future in Houston. I do not have a good feeling about the Houston game. I think I would have rather played Indianapolis. I think that uh, C.J. Stroud is a badass quarterback. He's a kid from Ohio State. And, uh, you know, the reputation of Ohio State is that uh, we never produce. We, mean <clears throat> that's my alma mater, or one of my alma maters. Thank you very much. Um, uh, you know, the reputation of our school is that we produce offensive linemen. We produce defensive linemen. But we do not produce quarterbacks. That's the reputation. Uh, quarterbacks come from Alabama. And so that's why Bryce Young gets to go number one overall, even though he's kind of like my size. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe he's not quite that short. But nevertheless, uh, there, you know, there were obvious reasons why he should not be the number one quarterback. Uh, and, and by the way, I don't think that it's taken for granted that there should be a uh, quarterback taken at the top of the first round every year anyway. But uh, in any case, uh, Stroud had a much stronger arm, much greater mobility, had uh, accuracy, and I guess there were some questions about test scores or, you know, I don't know, probably some somebody's agent probably threw that out there because they wanted their client to move up in the draft or something like that. But Stroud has been absolutely magnificent as a quarterback. He is a genuine threat. He's every bit as dangerous as anybody else in, like, let's say the top ten or maybe even the top five around the league. And um, that team uh, is kind of the opposite of the Browns. You know, veteran teams, it says here, tend to falter at the end of the year due to what? Due to, you know, injuries. You know, old guys tend to break down. Um, I'm sorry to say, uh, but uh, that happens to us, and you need to pace yourselves and use the bottom of your roster early in the year in order to have a veteran team that can perform in the playoffs. With a young team like the Houston Texans, that's less of a concern. Young guys tend to heal faster and to not get injured as often in, in the first place. And that's kind of the spot that the Houston Texans find themselves in. They are not as injured as the Cleveland Browns. And I'm not saying that luck doesn't have a lot to 
play into that. It does. It probably also has a lot to do with playing in the AFC North, which is a very rough division. We have to play Baltimore and Pittsburgh twice a year, and those both of those teams are notorious for their rough style of uh, football and kind of, um, how shall I say, uh, skirting to the very edge of what's legal and ethical in their uh, method of play. And um, so, yeah, a lot of people get injured when they play those teams. Uh, Baltimore, in fact, was one of the most injured teams in football about two years ago. And uh, Pittsburgh has had some injury problems. And by the way, um, wishing uh, T.J. Watt well. I heard that he had a uh, sort of a low-level uh, MCL sprain. Um, he probably will, what I understand is that he'll be limited in his first game in the playoffs, but he'll probably get stronger as it uh, goes on so that if we encounter the Steelers in the playoffs, and wouldn't that be a cool game? <laughs> Just wouldn't that be cool? That would be so cool. Uh, but he'll be at full strength for the Browns if uh, if that does happen. If the Browns and the Steelers both manage to keep winning and there is some way for us to meet in the playoffs, uh, I think, I don't know if that's even possible, but uh, if they both refuse to lose, I guess there's probably some way that it could happen. And um, uh, he'll be at full strength um, by the time the AFC Championship rolls around. I just think it would be awesome. My God. But, uh, yeah, T.J. Watt is in the same class of um, player as uh, Miles Garrett. I don't want to say, well, no, I will say I do believe Miles Garrett is just a little bit better uh, than T.J., although T.J. does some things that Miles doesn't, uh, you know, TJ's actually a uh, linebacker in a 3-4 type defense. It's not a strict 3-4, uh, of course, but he will be in pass coverage more often than Garrett is. Although, although, you will find that in the Jim Schwartz defense, we have seen Miles Garrett drop back into pass coverage at times much more often than we've seen that in the past. And that, I think, is really cool because it's really very funny I laugh my ass off when they're trying to double team Miles Garrett and he's not even rushing the passer. He's dropping back in coverage. That is funny, you know, because the other team doesn't expect it and that creates a problem if uh, Miles drops back in coverage uh, just once per game. Just once per game. Are the, is the other team going to be able to know what to do, you know, if he if he rushes forward and then steps back and drops into coverage. Um, he can get three players messed up at one time when he does that, and that is just so awesome. That is so, so, so cool. But anyway, I'm getting off the subject. I wanted to talk about what we've learned, and uh, what we've learned is that uh, the Browns are healthier than they've been for quite a long time. They're coming up against a team that has gotten better and better as the season has gone on. That would be uh, the Houston Texans. I think they're a very formidable opponent. They will be playing in the home field advantage. The Cleveland Browns 
let us not forget are a team that has been built to play in uh, cold weather, natural turf uh, foot, you know, conditions, bad weather football team. That's that's us, and we're going down to play in warm weather, uh, dry conditions, presumably in uh, Houston, and uh, that favors. Uh, Houston they really do have a home field advantage and they have a better quarterback than the Browns do we're all into Flacco mania rightly so but uh, we have to acknowledge the fact that uh, CJ Stroud is a superior quarterback than Joe Flacco they have an advantage in the passing game now on the other hand Amari Cooper Amari Cooper is all universe as a wide receiver, and that may be the secret weapon. That getting him healed up is also very important. You know, that's the 265-yard man, let us not forget. And in a pressure situation, having a veteran like that could make an enormous difference. And uh, I've said all along this season, you know, when the Browns were struggling and looking for quarterbacks and, you know, we were, we were fortunate to have quarterbacks who could keep the team together and execute the offense and allow the defense to win some ugly games for us. But nevertheless, I felt that if Amari Cooper had had a premier quarterback to get the ball to him, that he would be an all-pro wide receiver. And, well, lo and behold... We had uh, Joe Flacco step up, and all of a sudden he could feed the ball to Amari Cooper, and Cooper just really turned into a monster once he got to hook up with Joe Flacco. That was not a coincidence. It's not something psychological. It's because Flacco is a pocket passer with great accuracy and an above-average arm, and he can deliver the ball to Cooper. So that's something that's really pretty fantastic, and that's one of the reasons... Uh, why we wanted to see Cedric Tillman really get some work against uh, premier defensive coverages is that we needed to have a number two uh, receiver uh, you know, come into focus within that offense. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, for whatever reason, was not hacking it for us, and uh, it was a combination of things. One is I thought that, that the quarterbacks... Uh, early on in the season were not utilizing him very well and then also I didn't think that he was perhaps you know part of the problem was uh, DPJ was not playing as well as he did last year for whatever reason and um, it took a while for Tillman to establish himself as a viable number two target and I think what you saw the second half of the season is that he got better and better as the season went on. And, uh, you know, now it's no more uh, rookie stuff. He's not a rookie anymore. We need him to be like a veteran and be a guy that, that the team can go to in a pressure situation just like um, Amari Cooper. He's got to be uh, Amari Cooper 2.0. And I think you saw him take strides in that direction against the uh, best that the Cincinnati Bengals could offer on Sunday. So I was very pleased with that. The, you know, the real 
kicker, though, is that he wound up with that head injury and winding up in concussion protocol. Hopefully, that will prove to be nothing serious, but you just never know. So that really concludes what I have to say. Um, we saw some individual performances that were uh, rather decent, despite the fact that the Browns took a beating behind the woodshed in Cincinnati. They gave up a lot of points on defense. Of course, they were on the field a lot because the Browns just could not manage drives, especially in the first half. Um, we learned, you know, that it's absolutely crucial to have our defensive superstars on the field. Uh, it makes a huge difference when they're not there. It's not one or two points for Miles Garrett. It's probably not one or two points uh, for Denzel Ward. Uh, together, it makes a very large difference, even going up against Cincinnati's backup quarterback. They were able to score pretty readily uh, against us. So, um, and then, of course, you know, the Browns were not able to move the ball. Um, but what did you expect? Did you expect, really, that Jeff Driscoll was going to be able to learn the pay playbook just like Joe Flacco had done, that anybody can do it just because Flacco did it? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to say that they didn't have a puncher's chance, but it would have been really, really difficult to do that twice in a row with two different quarterbacks. But, but you know, we did score 14 points uh, at the end of the game. That was not outrageously bad. I thought it was pretty impressive. I want to see him back next summer. All right, we'll talk again soon. Thank you for tuning in. Take care and go Browns.